Well, good morning, Kingsway. So excited that you are here. Yes, I have my quarantine haircut and my old man glasses on just for Easter, just for you. <laughs> uh, you know, this has been a journey for us, and I know that we have uh, been traveling for now eight weeks. This is the ninth week of our series, The Road to Emmaus. And I, whether you've been on this journey with us the whole time or whether just uh, stepping in today for the first time, I think, I think today is going to be something that will bring hope to you. And that is my desire. If you hear nothing else I say today, if you tune out, um, if you are sitting in your pajamas or if you're in your Sunday best uh, on the couch, I hope that today you receive some hope. Um, I know the story that we're going to talk about today is in Luke 24, but you may not know or you may not be aware of that there's a way that you can follow along with what I'm saying. That's not just going to be on the screen, but it's at our website, kingswaymo.org. And you can go to uh, the actual sermon notes. And right there, you can follow along with all my points. It'll be right there with you. I encourage you to use that tool if it's not. Uh, if it's not, And probably we'll put it in the chat right now if you want to see that. We'll probably put a link in the chat right now so you can link straight to that. Uh, I'm so glad that you are joining us. And I know this is a little different um, experience for you on Easter. But uh, like I said before, I, I think the church is definitely not in, in uh, the same physical space. But on a day like today, I hope we are one spirit. I truly hope we are on one spirit. And that one spirit, one unity, one body uh, that comes from one specific person and the event that really spurred this faith, this belief, this unity. And it comes from our celebration. Uh, we're going to be Luke 24, like I said, and I want to just set the tone for where we're going. In Luke 24, there really is this central theme of Jesus has just come back from the grave. He has just risen. These, this these women took these spices to the tomb and they found the tomb open and they found a, <laughs> they found an angel there that says, why do you look for the living among the dead? And they just ran back and they told the disciples and then Peter comes and he sees the empty tomb and he has questions. And our text is directly following that. And I think that is something that I, is important to recognize that most of us in here have heard the news that Jesus is alive. Most of us have pondered that thought that there was an empty tomb, that something was going on, but, but there's a doubt sometimes that creeps in. And so this is what I want you to be thinking about uh, specifically as we start this idea that hope is a dangerous thing, isn't it? Hope is a dangerous thing. You know, maybe you have heard this uh, year after year on Easter, that, that there is this hope in Christ, that, that the tomb is empty, that he is alive. And, that, and, and you've put your hope in that, but there just seems to be some things that, that maybe haven't worked out, that maybe haven't been perfect. And I know even the world today that we're in sometimes gives us pause. And I want you to find yourself in what we're going to talk about today. In the story we're talking about today, I want you to see yourself find yourself because everything that we have talked about, everything Jesus has done in his ministry at this point in the text is also a part of our story of learning who Jesus is, learning what he's taught us, learning what he's told us about the future and the kingdom that he's promising. And each of us have to decide whether or not he is somebody that we can put our hope in. And I know that when I say hope is a dangerous thing, for some of you, you get what I'm saying. And truly, this is actually a quote that I got from Shawshank Redemption, and it is Morgan Freeman's quote, but I loved the quote. And it's the, the thought of this, that when we put our hope in something, there's a chance that it might let us down. There's the chance that it might not work out. And so with that in mind, it can be a dangerous thing. 
Luke 24, starting in verse uh, 13. I want to pick this up. Verse 13, we find this. Now there's, now on that same day, what same day? I just told you it. The, the women came to the tomb. All right. Women came to the tomb, brought the spices. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Peter comes, sees the cloth, sees the open tomb. He goes, oh my goodness, doesn't know what to do. Goes home. And then it literally says, Luke records this. And on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. And about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. All right. And then all of a sudden, something, something crazy. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they didn't, but they were kept from recognizing it was him. So here's, here's a thought. Jesus raises from the grave, announces to Mary Magdalene, hey, hey, he is risen. Things are better. I think Peter has seen the empty tomb, but before anything else happens, Jesus literally goes seven miles outside of Jerusalem where he has just been crucified. And he's meeting up with these two individuals. Now it, it says two, and we're going to see that one of his names Cleopas later, but there's a lot of evidence that showed because they only name one of the two, that this is most likely a married couple. And they're a married couple coming back from Jerusalem after the Passover like I said, it's a long ways away from where Jesus just died. It's seven miles. And to us, that doesn't seem far. But if you're walking, that's a long time. That's a long ways to go. And Jesus just suddenly just whew, shows up. He shows up. And one of the things I want you to realize is this, is Jesus is take, takes hope on the road. Jesus takes hope on the road. Now, why would he do this? Jesus is taking his new, I mean, he has just risen from the grave. He has just come back. And the first thing he does is he takes it on the road seven miles outside of Jerusalem. Now, that's an important thought to keep in your mind. Why would Jesus take this on the road? Let's continue the story and see if we can figure this out. He asked them, why are you discussing together as you walk along? What are you discussing? What are the things that you're saying? And they stood still and their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas, like I said before, don't get the name of the other. There's good reason because at that time, women did not have the position that they do today and the value that God gave them as recognized by the city of Israel or the country of Israel, nor the empire of Rome. And he asked them, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Now here's a pause for just a second. Basically, Cleopas is saying, have you not been on social media? Have you not opened up the interwebs? Have you, have you not, have you not been breathing inside of Jerusalem over the last few days? Because if you had, you would know what we're talking about. And he's assuming, see, that Jesus, this man that they don't know is Jesus, but the person he's talking to, he's assuming that they came from Jerusalem because the Passover was there. Everyone was there. The whole nation was there. They were trying and being responsible as Jewish followers of the faith. And so they were there for that festival. They would have been around those events. It would have been impossible to not see what was going on? And so he's like, he's like, what do you mean you haven't, what are you talking about? But Jesus, of course, is asking these questions. He's not to play dumb, not to just be ignorant, but to see what they have 
gotten out of it, to have them speak it out to him, to have them explain it. So this is what he says, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. They replied, he was a prophet, a powerful in the word and deed before God and the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to the sentence to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I'll pause. Jesus has got the answer. Oh man, I mean, I can't imagine if Jesus was unbeknownst to me next to me and he's trying to, he wants me to explain the last few days. It's such a beautiful thing to see these two explain what they've seen, explain where they're at and explain their heart. I mean, it's a truthful thing. I mean, uh, think about this. Like this would be very similar to us having a moment where, where we would sit down with someone and we would explain COVID-19 to them. We, we would say, have you not been around over the last few weeks? H- have you not seen how the world has, has been gripped by fear and panic? Have you not seen how things have shut down and, and things that we thought would bring security have, have, have shown themselves to be not capable of providing what we really need? We've seen things that we've ignored become more prominent, but we had hoped, we had hoped that this wouldn't happen. We had hoped that this would be different. We we had hoped that this would be a different outcome. And you can feel that tension. You can feel that tension. They, They had a hope that Jesus was going to provide Israel its freedom. That Jesus was going to redeem, which means bring back to the proper place, bring out of rebellion, bring out of exile, bring out of the brokenness, bring out of their shame and restore them to their prominence. And they had hoped that that's what Jesus would do. And though he was powerful, as they said, in word and deed before man and God, he was crucified and he's dead. But he's Jesus. And so he's got this great answer. But I want you to think about this. Have you lost hope? Have you lost hope over the last few weeks, over the last month? Have you experienced this like they said? You had a hope. You had, you had dreams, expectation, thoughts. I mean, you even had some hopes and dreams that have been dashed. I mean, have you doubted? Have you lost hope? Have you lost hope in some things that you thought would provide hope that you know now cannot? Had you put hope in a bank account, hope in a relationship, hope in a platform or in a policy, hope, hope even in your own health, hope in your own security or comfort. And now you see that that is something that can only provide to a certain level. Have you lost some hope over the last couple of weeks? I wonder, I know I have, I know I have. The story continues and they, they finish kind of the thought that they're in. And he says that what is more is that on the third, it's the third day since this took place. And in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb only this morning, but didn't find the body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. I'll pause. They are telling us that the the section that I said was just before this in Luke 24, they're telling us these are their companions. These are the people. They know them. They've heard them. They've talked to them. 
but they're not sure about it. And in fact, if they were sure about it, I don't think they'd be on the road back. See, they're on the road back to Emmaus. If that happened that morning and you're, you're kind of like, oh man, let's wait and see how this plays out. Let's see if it's real. But I think they heard all that and they went, ah, it's not what we were looking for. We were looking for a redeemer of our country and our nation of Israel. We weren't looking for a risen savior. So to us, it was like, I mean, sounds kind of different, but I don't need to stay. So you see, when Jesus responds to them, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did you not, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them with, was, uh, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He sits down and he gives them an amazing Bible study. As they're walking along the road, he's like laying it all out, laying it all out. Literally hundreds of references from the Old Testament to where he's at through the prophets of who Jesus is, explaining himself to them as they walk along. And then it continues and it says this. Oh, maybe. Now, here's the cool thing. I want to pause. I want to go on yet. Pause. I know for a lot of us, when you hear this right here, the beginning with Moses, and I tell you there's hundreds of references, we don't know the scripture like they did. We don't, we don't know what all this means when he explains himself. Jesus is able to sit down with them and explain it because they have memorized this from a young age. They are supposed to be using it as, as kind of a lens to be prepared for when the Messiah comes. And they're supposed to be using all these tools to be able to know and recognize who he is. Now, we don't have that background. That is not something in our culture that is that ingrained. We don't have have that tutelage. We don't naturally know those things as they did. That was part of their culture, their history. Now we have access to that and we try and we learn. And now knowing the ending, knowing that Jesus has come back, knowing that he's Messiah, of course it gives us that, that post vision to be able to identify and see. But this is in the moment and this is difficult. This is challenging. This is as things are rapidly changing around them. Jesus is trying to get it. So I had this thought. Could there be real hope? I mean, have you guys had this? When you, something new is revealed to you, something in the moment kind of changes. I mean, just think about our current climate. The thought of that there could be something, a vaccine coming quickly. There could be a cure that could help people right now that are sick. These antibodies that are in plasma that possibly could be helping people. I mean, could it be real hope, right? Could it be real hope? There's real hope out there for us in this crisis. And these Two are trying to decipher whether or not the things that Jesus is teaching from the Old Testament and the prophets are lining up to provide real hope. And I think what starts to happen is they start to hear the words that Jesus is saying and they're starting to recognize there's real hope. There's real hope here. Now, I want to just quickly read one passage. I read part of it last week in Isaiah 53, and I stopped at verse 6. I want to read you the rest of Isaiah 53. And I told you that I would do this last week, that this would be something that I think would help you recognize. And I want you to think about that. He literally says he would suffer and then be glorified, suffered and then be glorified. And in Isaiah 53, that is the exact language that is used a thousand years before Christ. He is told right here, this is what the Messiah would have to happen. So here's what it says in Isaiah 53, verse seven. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Jesus was that way. He never gave a defense. He just humbly took 
what he was given, his punishment. As a sheep before shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgments was taken away, yet he, yet who of his generation protested? Everyone said, crucify him. His own disciples deserted him. And his own disciple gave him over to those that would, that would kill him. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was dead. For his transgressions of my people, he was punished. He took on the shame, the punishment, the iniquities. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich of in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was in any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days, and there will and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowing of my righteousness servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Now for us, this may be something you've never heard before. This may be something you need to go investigate and you're like, wow, I need to know. But when Jesus is laying these things out, to Cleopas and his wife, he, he's saying these types of things and they've heard them before and they know them. But then all of a sudden they're going, wow, you're right, the Messiah Maybe that's, maybe that is more of what I, maybe I missed. Maybe I had my hope in the wrong place. Maybe this is the real place for hope. And that's what I want to tell you, the ending to this, where it really goes. It says this, they approach the village in verse 28 of, 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 of chapter 24. It says, as they approach the village to which they were going. Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. This is so neat. Jesus isn't making them listen. He's just going to keep going. He's kind of piquing their interest. He's kind of going, he's laying this stuff out, but he's not sitting down and beating them with the truth. He's not bombarding them until they finally listen. He's like, I'll just move on. But they urged him strongly. (laughs) Hey, stay with us. But it was nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and he stayed with them. Such a cool thing where Jesus is like, no, if you don't want me to be a part of this, if you don't want to hear anymore, I'm not going to force you to. But when they ask him, he stays. And when he was at the table with them, this is at night, after a long hike, long walk, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And just imagine this moment, break it, hands it over, hands it over. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Snap, bam. They asked each other, were our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It gives us a little inclination as they're listening to Jesus explain that stuff. Both of them are going, man, I felt it. I felt it. But then when the, that table moment where he breaks bread and he sits down with them individually, he, he finds them in their life and he goes, hey, here I am. And in that moment that his bread is handed over and he breaks it, it, it breaks their, their inability to see who he really is and their eyes are opened and then he disappears it's like, a, it's like one of those moments where it's like, yeah, I've been with you this whole time. I was right here. Finding real hope. 
finding real hope. Don't we all one of those, want one of those moments? Don't we all want one of those moments where all of a sudden the, what, we, what we've had right in front of us, what we've been learning, what we've been growing in, when, when, when things seem most desperate, when we've had our eyes kind of opened up and our ears are burning a little bit to this truth that could, could it be real? Don't we want that moment where all of a sudden in a, in a second things become real? The perspective is whole and, and what was right in front of us, we see it for what it really is. Man, I want that moment. I want that moment. Now their reaction tells us that they felt like they found it. I mean, Cleopas and his wife immediately, it says in verse, in verse 33, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. <laughs> they just got here. They just, I mean, it's a long walk, seven miles, you know, and they're like, we're going back. And they found the 11 and those that were assembled together and they're saying, it is true. It is true. Not what you've heard, not what you've been told, not what you've somewhat seen off the, it is true. The Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. He has appeared to Simon. He is with us. Then the two of them told what they had happened on their way and, and how the Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, I love this. They're in the room with the 11, with those, with the women that are in the corner that aren't even referenced again. And, and he's talking, saying, hey, this is what's happened. It's true. It's risen. While they're still talking about it, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, Pause. This just is one of those moments where I'm like, I don't think we really understand. I, I don't think they had more of an understanding than we do of what this would be like. Imagine right where you're at in your living room with the family that you have around you or by yourself. You're sitting there. You're thinking about these things. It's Easter morning. You're prepared. You're thinking about your whole heritage of faith, all the scriptures, all the things you've learned. Could it be true? Could it be real hope? How, oh man, some people are so sure. Some people have had different experiences of, but you're sitting there and your doubts and your worries and, and you're trying to find. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is just there. And he's just standing there with them. I, and I mean, think about the first person that sees him. I mean, they just look over and they're like, oh, hey, 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 I have enough, something to discuss. Like the whole room turns. And they're all like, I'm sure, you know, like what's our natural response? Like you're taking steps back. And Jesus is like, hey, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, why is that important? This statement right now is, I'm not mad at you. I know you betrayed me. I know you ran away. I know that you didn't protect me. Hold up your end of the bargain. Follow through as my disciples. I know you've had doubts. I know it's been three days, but peace be with you. Guys, the truth is hope can be lost, but hope can also be found. And I hope over the next few minutes, if you hear nothing else I say, you hear these final few statements that I want to tell you, because I know this hope can be lost, but it also can be found. And some of you, listen, you've walked away. Hope has been fleeting and far from you and, and you have not felt it in a long time. And you, and you absolutely believe that it's too dangerous to believe again. Because hope, guys, hope is dangerous, isn't it? Hope is a dangerous thing. That's the quote I told you at the beginning. Hope is a dangerous thing. I know it's scary to think that you could find hope again. 
to put your faith, to put your security into something again, especially in a time right now where a lot of us are finding out what we had put our hope in or finding out whether or not we truly believe that there's something we can hope in that cannot be touched by even a virus or the world shutting down, that there's something that inside of us that we can cling to that is worth it. But the truth is, this hope that we're talking about, it can either save your life and bring fullness to it, or it can lead to lonely, dirty roads in forgotten places. If you want to experience what, what Easter is truly all about, it can save your life and bring fullness to it. But if you have a false hope, it'll lead you away from Jerusalem on dirty roads in forgotten places like Emmaus. We don't even know where Emmaus really is anymore. It was such a small, insignificant town at the time that we we don't know exactly where it's at. They kind of know. But see, Cleopas and his wife were on a road away from Jerusalem thinking that they had put their hope in Jesus for a specific reason with a specific idea. And when that hope fell short, they went home. Devastated. And they were lonely and it was dirty and it was ultimately a forgotten place. But if you put your hope in what ultimately Jesus wants, it saves your life and brings fullness to it. Hope is found on the road, not in my perfectly planned destinations. Hope is found on the road, not in my perfectly planned destinations. I know a lot of you, life is not perfect right now. This is not the plan that you had. This is not the destination you were looking forward to. You seem so far now, even further away from what you hoped. But for me, I I find it curious that the first place Jesus went, the first place that Jesus went after he got out of the tomb is he found someone on the road that had lost hope. And he said, don't believe in your perfect planned destinations. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Come back to this hope. And he walked with them patiently, walked with them all the way home and was willing to sit with them if they would ask until they could see. Because the truth is, you guys, we have found a savior who brings hope to people on lonely dirt roads. We have found a savior that brings hope to people on lonely dirt roads. And thank God for that because I need it too. I need it too. There are times in quarantine that I love this and it's amazing. And there are other times that I feel so disconnected, so lost, so aware of my own brokenness, my own imperception of what I've actually trusted in and believed would bring purpose and value to my life. And when it's removed, I see my need for something greater. And the truth is this hope, this is a hope This is a hope that no government, no empire, no sickness, no bank account, no cross, and no grave can touch or silence. This is a hope that no empire, no government, no sickness, no bank account, no cross, or no grave can touch or silence. And that is what I need this Easter. That is what I need in my life at the core. That is what I need in the, in the middle of the pandemics that are caused by viruses, in the middle of my pandemic that is my own brokenness and choices, in the middle of what I have done, in the middle of what I have hoped in that has been so dangerous to my soul. I need to believe in something larger, bigger, a hope that is real, everlasting, and untouchable. 
Our real everlasting untouchable hope is this, this Easter. It has not changed. It will not change. It is untouched by anything that happens on this earth. It is real and true. He is risen. Jesus, the savior of the world is alive. That is what we scream from the rooftops. That is what we shout into the silent, quiet places these days. That is what we speak deep into our souls. That is what we believe with full confidence that he is risen and the savior of the world, Jesus is alive. And nothing can touch that. Nothing can remove that. It is real and worthy of the risk. Because hope, you guys, hope is a dangerous thing. But hope in Jesus, it's real, it's everlasting, it's untouchable. And that hope is that Jesus is the savior of the world and he's still alive. My prayer for you as a family, my prayer for you as an individual, my prayer for us as a city and as a church is that we choose to put our hope back in that this Easter that whatever comes in the next weeks or months or in the years to come, that regardless of the changes, positive or negative, regardless of the hopes that may be dashed in this world, that we put our hope in something that does not go away. If we do that, if we believe that, if we follow him, he will not let us go. God has been at work for the road of Emmaus for eight long weeks. What an amazing thing that God has done. We have seen the life of Jesus provide hope to a whole bunch of people on the way, both in his teachings and his parables and his deeds and words. He is worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our trust. He is the hope of the world. May we live that out in our word and deed. May we believe it this Easter. My hope and prayer as we conclude is that you will teach those around you, scream it to those who will listen and say it with the kindness and gentleness of Jesus, that you will offer hope to people that may be missing it, that may not have received it, that may not have seen it as you have, that you would give them something that is untouchable, everlasting, and real. Thank you so much for watching. Let me pray for you this Easter. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this hope that we cling to. Thank you for what you have done in your son. Thank you for walking with us in our doubts, in our hurts, in our frustrations. Thank you for walking with us when our hopes fail, but you do not. Lord, continue to provide what we need, and that is real hope in your son. The kindness, the gentleness, the patience to reveal what really matters, what is worth investing in, and who is worth following. Lord, we thank you for the work of the cross, the grace that it provides, the love and the hope that we have because of it. It's your name that we pray, amen.